With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here, and on Tuesdays, that means we're talking NFL with John McClain. Uh, If you joined us earlier in the year, he announced that he was retiring from the Houston Chronicle. That's the key note here because John is back with us on OutKick 360 each week. He hasn't left. And he also hasn't left coverage, column, writing on football and everything else. John, welcome in. And you have the floor to announce what you're doing now. Well, thank you very much, guys. I've been wanting to tell you this, but I had to wait till it was official on Friday. I was announced as a four times a week columnist, football columnist. I can write about the NFL and I'll focus on the Texans and the NFL, but I can also write college football about the Longhorns, Aggies and Bears, Big 12 SEC. And it's for gallerysports.com. And it's owned and operated by Jim Mattress Mac Backenville, our country's most renowned gambler and <laughs> furniture salesman here in Houston. And so he won't do a website. I recommended uh, former Chronicle columnists like Richard Justice, John Lopez. They write once a week, and uh, we cover all sports, do podcasts. So I'm pumped about it. And as Mattress Mac says in a lot of his commercials for Gallery Furniture, Gallery Sports is free, free, free. So there's no paywall. And then on Monday, I was announced by my radio station where I've been working for 23 years and do five shows a week that I would be their senior Texans columnist writing three times a week. I already do five shows for them and three Texans-related podcasts on their website. So I'm busy. I like it. I used to write 15 things a week for the Chronicle. Now I'm only writing eight. Well, one of the eight things that you wrote, John, I'm at Gallery Sports right now, and you've got a piece up about the Texans having some stability at the top, Do, tell us, because I think that the perception from the outside is still that the Texans is a mess of an organization, but the Deshaun Watson piece of this now behind them, where is that stability with this organization? Cadillac, uh, thank you for reading. It starts with general manager Nick Casario in the second year of a six-year contract. One of the reasons the McNair family gave him a six-year contract for $5 million a year was because they knew that he was going to tear it down and start over. And they did that last year. They won four games, almost swept the Titans, almost beat the, the uh, Patriots, and they were terrible. They fired David Culley after one year. Almost hired Josh McCown, which would have been a terrible mistake, and they elevated Lovey Smith. And Lovey Smith is on his third head coaching job. And uh, I'm writing a column for Friday about the burden that he carries not to be the 
only African-American coach to have three opportunities and the pressure he feels to do well to help open some more doors. When he was fired by the Bears in uh, 2012 after going 10 and 6, and he'd been to the Super Bowl, lost to the Colts, he'd been coach of the year. And uh, he thought then, when uh, Tony Dungy had beaten him in the Super Bowl, that it wouldn't be an issue anymore hiring black head coaches, but it has been. And that's something that is very important to him. And uh, so he's got a five-year contract. I tell people, no way he's a one and done. He's going to be here a while. And uh, with Jack Easterby being emasculated, he's still there. Doesn't have near the authority. Nobody ever mentions his name again other than me on my shows to point out he's been emasculated, defootballed. Um, that uh, and with Deshaun Watson, they got 12, 12 picks next year, two number ones, and John Mechie, the third, who should be recovered from leukemia, will be about will be, be like an extra second round pick. And then for the first time, they're going to have cap room to actually sign some free agents, people know who they are. And then the next year, right now, they got. 10 draft choices. Casario will be shuffling the deck, but they have stability at the top with Nick Casario and Lovey Smith. I think Lovey will get at least three years here. It won't be that hard to get the nine wins, but getting beyond that is going to be more difficult. But as the Titans have shown with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, it's important when you have stability, and that means guys who can get along. They can differ and they can have irreconcilable differences, and that's going to cause them to one of them to get fired or both. Bill O'Brien, every GM he worked with here, he had problems with. They don't have those problems anymore. All that said, John, um, how high could this roster take them? What's the what's going to be the value of that top draft pick for them? Do you suspect come next April? I know most people have them as the worst team in the league. They did last year. They ended up with the third pick. They took uh, cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. They had uh, another number one pick, guard Kenyon Green, who starts on the left side. Second-round pick Jalen Petrie, a safety from Baylor, been starting from day one. And then they had John Matthew third in the second round, but he can't play because of leukemia. I picked him to go uh, – Six and let's see, 17. What is that? Six and six 11, and 11. 11. Yeah, six and 11. That's what I picked them. Six and 11. They've won four games in each of the last two years with Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell, and then last year with David Cully. And uh, the key to this franchise this was my first column on uh, gallerysports.com was the The excruciating pressure can be the quarterback uh, in the future. They can use all those draft choices on position players. But if he can't, then they're going to have to package those number one picks and maybe more picks to move up to get one of the top quarterback prospects. Unless they're so bad, one's going to fall into their lap. John, how short is the leash for Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh? Let's see. I'm going to say it's about like this, <laughs> maybe like that. You know, it's only a matter of time before Kenny Pickett plays. Now, it's Trubisky's third team in three years, and people up there are acting like he's something special. He's flashed at times, but is he the quarterback the Steelers 
want to move forward with? No, it's Pickett. Pickett played like almost 50 games at Pitt. He's as ready as a rookie quarterback could be, played really well in preseason, as did Trubisky. But you guys know he's a short-timer. Very uh, big opening night Thursday. Bills at Rams, defending Super Bowl champion, um, hosting probably the most popular choice to be this year's Super Bowl champion. What are you uh, anticipating out of the, the Rams and Bills this this season, and what are you anticipating unfolding Thursday night? I think there's going to be a great matchup and. The stadium out there in L.A., which is is a pretty incredible place where the Super Bowl was played. They say that Matthew Stafford has no issues with his elbow. There was panic about that in preseason. He's loaded with weapons again. They've signed guys. It's amazing. What a great job the Rams have done on their salary cap. All this whining from other teams, oh, we can't do that because of the cap. Yes, you can get it done if you want to get it done. And the last time we saw the Bills, they were losing that incredible playoff game against the Chiefs. They should be very, very motivated. It won't surprise me if the Bills win, but I'm not peeking against the defending Super Bowl champion in their stadium. I think people will uh, – the average fan is going to watch the Rams and be like, oh, Allen Robinson plays for them now. I haven't seen much coverage of that whenever they're out NFL Network and all this. I mean, that that's quite the uh, upgrade, if you want to call it that. Robert Woods was extremely good. But Robinson brings a different dynamic to that wide receiving it, core. Is something wrong with Allen Robinson? Because I drafted him in a fantasy draft last night, and he is predicted to have the points of a fifth-string wide receiver in game number one. And I'm thinking, what, what, what do they know that I don't about Allen Robinson, who was a really good player in Chicago, John? He's a good player in Jacksonville, too. He's just never had a great quarterback like he's got now. And you look on that defense, Bobby Wagner, he's here. I thought he was in Seattle. I think that uh, Les Need, the general manager, and Sean McVay, the head coach, did a great job of re-signing players and bringing in the right players. And they still have Odell Beckham Jr.'s locker ready to go for him in case he re-signs with them for the latter part of the season. I think Allen Robinson's going to do well. He's never going to get double because of Cooper Cup. They've got other receivers. I think Allen Robinson was a very shrewd pick. John, outside of Thursday night, and the NFL is never short for for storylines, what is the week one storyline as you survey, as you look at the landscape of week one and all the matchups, all the individual players, the coaches, Going into the season, again, outside of the game we just discussed with the Bills and the Rams, what would you point to? There's quite a few, mainly because everybody's picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Can they prove they're capable of doing it by winning uh, in the stadium where the defending champion plays? You guys brought up Trubisky. If Trubisky struggles, social media, fans, media, everybody is going to want to see the hometown favorite Kenny Pickett in the lineup there. Aaron Rodgers, is he going to be able to produce without Devontae Adams, even though I believe I read he eight games without Adams, seven and one averaging 31.2 points a game. And there's other things around the league. Bill Belichick, his offense looked awful 
in preseason. He didn't get an offensive coordinator to replace Josh McDaniels. He didn't hire a proven quarterback coach with Mac Jones going into his second year. Were they playing possum in preseason? Some people think, oh, that uh, Belichick make all the plays for them. So there's a lot of storylines. The Saints, what can they do without Sean Payton? who had total control of the roster, all personnel issues, play calling, and he's now an analyst. I noticed Peter King picked the Saints, I think, to go to the Super Bowl, even though Dennis Allen, the new coach, was 4-12 and in his only two seasons as a head coach. And what about Seattle with Geno Smith? As much as Pete Carroll tries to convince people that he's so fired up about the quarterback situation, I'm sure everybody else in that organization looks in the mirror and goes, what in the hell have we done to trade – Russell Wilson, and promote Geno Smith with Drew Locke as a backup. John, I want to gauge your interest in another storyline. That is new broadcast teams uh, across the league. We've got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman now on Monday Night Football with ESPN. We've got a new number one team with Fox. We've got a new Sunday Night Football team. We've got Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet moving to Amazon on Thursday night. How much intrigue is there? That's a lot of familiar names but people in new places, how much intrigue do you have in the broadcast themselves of some of these primetime games in the NFL? I'm guessing that Kirk Street sleeps about three hours a night. I've watched the start of every game day for years and years and years. And I watched him have two last week on Thursday. And I watched him have one on on Saturday, and I think the week before they had one, and he's got Thursday night game here when the uh, Texans played the 49ers, and then he's got to do a game on Saturday night. I think there's not a more versatile broadcaster, and I don't care who he's with. I don't care if it's Al Michaels, whoever to me. If if Kirk Herbstreit is on the broadcast, he tells me things I don't know and I want to know because I respect his – opinion so much. I like uh, Kevin Burkhart. I think he's going to do a tremendous job. I'm truthfully, because I'm covering a game, I'm writing during games. I only know the primetime guys, but I love the pregame show too. I'm always fascinated about who's been added to what pregame show. And to me, last year, the rookie of the year was former Heisman Trophy winner, RG3, Robert Griffin III, Sikkim. John McClain with us. Coming up, we'll go division by division uh, and get his picks uh, for a couple, I think, that are easy, but the rest up for grabs. And uh, we'll go NFC, AFC with John McClain and go through the top storylines. We'll discuss the Saints. We'll discuss the Bucs and much more. Plenty of headlines there, plus injuries to pay attention to going into week one. And we'll give some week one picks through John as well. Uh, That's all straight ahead. John McClain from gallerysports.com with us here on OutKick. On the way, though, to the break, I remind you to go to DraftKings. DraftKings.com is where you can bet $5 and get $200 instantly for all DraftKings users, new users at DraftKings. You've got to be 21 years or older, and this is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks in your Sportsbook account, then place a wager of at least $5 on NFL or college football games between now and week two of the NFL season which is September 19th. And by doing that, you'll receive $200 instantly. In addition 
to any cash winnings from your original wager once once it settles. And there's the up seven offer at DraftKings. Thursday night, Bills and Rams. Pick your team to go up a touchdown and get paid immediately. Uh, win your money line bet. And if, you're, if your team leads by at least seven points at any point in the game, you win the bet even if your team loses the game. Bills, Rams, up seven early win at DraftKings in the DraftKings app. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Week one is 48 hours away, two days away. These, uh, these holiday plus, weeks plus always throw me off. So, yeah, it's two days away. Today's Tuesday. Outkick 360 rolls on. John McLean of gallerysports.com with us. I believe you're in Houston. John, you have a different backdrop this afternoon. We missed a dish. Just because I moved, I moved into a different room. Okay. This, um, it, the, the background sort of looks like uh, – like the high school den that everyone would hang out in, that, that the cool yeah. parents' house yep. that you'd go down and you know maybe imbibe <laughs> in some different yeah, activities. Is there a kegerator in that room, John? I think John froze on. Maybe us. no. We're getting a portrait of John. Maybe no internet. We <laughs> may be moving to the other. No, spot. I wish there <laughs> were. Okay. <laughs> because my internet is unstable, I moved into the den, and if I have to. To do it here next week, I'll put pictures in the background. <laughs> Fair enough. I would love uh, if I'll you put could... pictures of my band in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if you Please. could do like a slow lapse video of you putting up the pictures, that would be that would break the internet. Yeah, he, uh, John, gallerysports.com was the second choice. They wanted to go with gallery, you know, blank. Uh, John's band name, but it was already would, taken. The URL was. Purchased. I'd love just a scrolling eight millimeter film of a of a John McClain's band performance on the wall behind John that yes. plays the entire interview on a video screen. That's our initiation, by the way, John, for our season ticket holders of the show. Is you know you find out John McClain's band name. Yeah, if you can be trusted. Yeah, if you can truly be trusted. I had a friend. 
I had a friend of mine. I was at, they live in Dallas, an attorney I went to high school with, and he used to come to our concerts, if you could call them that. <laughs> and so we were having dinner at his house last year, and there were a couple of new people I had invited, former oil receiver Mike Renfro and his wife, because they live up there. And so we're in the <laughs> we're in the kitchen, everybody's pouring wine, and Robert turns to me with Mike next to me and goes, hey, have you told Mike about blank? Well, if you just use that one word and Mike's like, what? And Robert goes, I mean, that was the name of his band. And Mike's, oh, okay. Because that's just not the kind of thing you ask somebody. Have yeah. you told them about blank? It's a Todd Phillips special uh, yes. is what it comes yes. across as. So good. John, um, let's, let's go through the divisions. And I want to start in the AFC and uh, we'll just go north, south, east, west. A- AFC North, um, Lamar Jackson is back. We we went through the, the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. We know Deshaun Watson is not eligible to play until he visits Houston uh, after week 11. Um, or, yeah, after yep. the 11th game. And I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, where Cincinnati falls in your preseason chart because many are high on Baltimore, while... Cincinnati, we, we, we know the, the stats here of how difficult it is to be a runner-up in a Super Bowl and to get back. Uh, there's always a charge and a feeling from a fan base and an audience that it's easier than it actually is. What do you think about Burrow trying to do it again? Maybe he should. He's got a lot of great weapons there. As you guys know, they did a lot to their offensive line, which was their weakness. And I'm going with Baltimore. I thought John Harbaugh did a tremendous coaching job. How many teams lose their first three running backs? The Titans lost their first one. What if they lost their top three? They lost three. They lost Lamar Jackson. I think they're hungry. I don't know if he's going to sign or not, but he's going to. if he hasn't signed, then he's playing for a new contract and with a, worth a lot of money. So I'm going with the Ravens. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think the Bengals will make the playoffs. I'm not picking the Browns because I think Watson – will struggle when he comes off his suspension because after the Texans, all of his games are outdoors. All of them are in December and January, and he didn't have a lot of success playing in bad weather. We'll pick up on storylines as you mentioned some teams here. So Lamar Jackson uh, says he's not going to negotiate during the season. The season starts now. There's no new contract. Is the lack of information out on that contract and that negotiation solely due to the fact that there's not an agent involved? he has advisors. You know, he's not negotiating that contract himself, but you're right. Agents would be leaking it to Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and trying to make the Ravens look bad and him look good. When Laramie Tunsil, the Texans left tackle, did his contract, everybody said, oh, he doesn't have an agent. He's negotiating it. No, he had three advisors. He paid by the hour. They never had any contact with any media. Boom. He gets the biggest contract in NFL history. Boy, that Laramie Tunsil's a great negotiator. He should start an agent business. So that's what's going on with Lamar Jackson. I find that refreshing. Are you concerned at all about their weapons, John? I mean, they had trouble finding receivers. Their best one uh, basically declares the system unsatisfactory for his talents and gets traded. Says he wasn't wanted. (laughs) 
Yeah, they only had 92 catches last year. (laughs) Uh, As long as Mark Andrews is there, he's going to be down the middle. He's going to be Lamar Jackson's best weapon. They've got good tight ends. I think they'll find a couple of wideouts. They had a number one pick last year was Rashad Bateman. Bateman, Was he the number one pick? They expect to move up in a running game. Uh, even though they might all, all not be healthy at the start of the season, it should be so much better. And they get their best offensive lineman, Ronnie Stanley. I believe he's back. And they have they they have a crop of tight ends, and I think that's just because Lamar Jackson is so much better throwing across the middle. That was part of Hollywood Brown's issue is he didn't think they were going to throw deeper to the outside anytime soon, and he had a better chance to cash in if he got traded. Again. 92 well, catches is we'll 92 s- catches. Yeah. Yeah, that that he looked pretty selfish or pretty stupid. You know, maybe he just wanted to live in the desert. But uh, <laughs> if he's got DeAndre Hopkins across from him after he returns from his six-game suspension, he'll look better. But uh, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him in, in that division, which is a very tough division. AFC South, uh, for everyone picking Buffalo in the Super Bowl, it seems like everyone's running Indianapolis back to the top of the food chain in the AFC South. Are you one of them? I, I, I thought about it, especially when Harold Landry went down, but I thought back to last season when Derrick Henry went down and Mike Vrabel took some Texans rejects and still ran the ball really, really well and earned home field advantage. I think either one of those teams that can sweep Jacksonville and Houston to be four and zero and split We'll have to come out of Division 5-1. and one. And uh, I'm not sold on Matt Ryan's season last year being because he didn't have weapons, and he didn't. But he's getting older. And um, I don't think they'll have a fifth quarterback in five years, but I just don't see him making a difference in them going from no playoffs to the playoffs. They've only won one playoff game since Frank Wright got there, and that was 2018, his first season. Talking about a team now, John, that may be headed from the playoffs to no playoffs. Patriots went to the playoffs a year ago. Are they just simply bad now? He's made some weird decisions. Excuse me. I think not to replace Josh McDaniels with a proven quarterback coach is going to be their ruination. No playoff appearance for the Patriots. And who do you have out of that division? John's got to take well, a Buffalo, break. Yeah, Buffalo, of course. Okay. And uh, Miami, I'm not so sure. The AFC is so strong. You know, to a tongue of a low, I don't think they've done him any favors. Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel keep talking about how accurate he is. Well, he throws so many short passes, he should be. But when it comes to throwing the ball down the field, maybe he will be. There's more pressure on him than most quarterbacks because of his situation. But uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to have them making the playoffs. I know I'm not going to have the Patriots doing it. I'm going to have two teams from the AFC North. I have four from the AFC West. All right, let's go. Let's go West. You have how many from the West? All of them. Every team in the West making four. the playoffs. I've got all of them. Best division I've ever seen. My surprise. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I'm picking them to go to the Super Bowl or the Chargers. I watched the Texans beat them at the end of last season when Davis Mills had a great game, but Justin Herbert had a great game too. His defense was awful. They made a lot of improvements. What worries me about the Chargers, if you're a Chargers fan, Brandon Staley 
sticking to analytics without thinking, well, maybe does. If you're going to go for it from deep in your territory, the analytics know who's on the other side of the ball, you know, who's in the game, who's out, who's hurt, uh, what the strength is to the other team, how many of your guys are out or not playing well at that moment. No. And people think he's a great young coach. He's got to prove it. And I think this year, Justin Herbert will be the NFL's MVP. All four getting to the postseason because of that seventh spot that's been added in the AFC, uh, AFC West, well represented. And John, I guess that means you're predicting the AFC West to sweep the AFC South and just lose against their own division. That would be, I mean, that's what would it, it would take to get the fourth team in. I think that they will beat each other up. I don't think the team with a home field advantage will come from that division because they'll beat each other up because it's so competitive. Not to mention good with the quarterbacks and everything. I I do a show in Las Vegas every week coming up two shows after this one, and they're pumped about the season, but they know they could finish in last place and still be good. NFC North, the Vikings are hosting the Packers this weekend, this Sunday. And if the Vikings are going to overtake Green Bay, they need to beat them head-to-head, number one. And it needs to be now while the Packers are trying to get their offense up and moving. Well, I don't think for a minute Minnesota is going to come anywhere close to the Packers again. Packers are clearly the best team in that division. Vikings might win a wild card. Kevin O'Connell's first-time head coach, never called plays uh, in his career. And uh, he's calling them now. And maybe he'll be great at it. And the Vikings will bounce back. And Kirk Cousins will finally beat teams with winning records. And I think they will win a wild card. But I think they're going to get obliterated by the Packers. NFC East, does Philadelphia overtake the Cowboys here? The Cowboys down a couple big receivers and trying to patchwork left tackle. Well, they got the best quarterback in the division, Dak Prescott, but I think Jalen Hurts is taking the next step up. The Eagles led the NFL in rushing. They've traded for some really good players. As you guys well know, with A.J. Brown, added a couple defensive players, done well in the draft. Uh, No teams won that division back-to-back since 2004, so I'm going with the Eagles. In the South, is it Tampa again, or are you trending with uh, the Saints? No, I don't understand what the big deal is about the Saints. Jameis Winston's the quarterback. Dennis Allen's the head coach. If, you know, if Sean Payton was still there, maybe, but he's gone. And nobody knows what Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis can do because Mickey Loomis didn't have control. He's a cap guy. Sean Payton controlled everything. So it's got to be Tampa Bay, even though I don't think Tampa Bay, with all those issues on the interior of its offensive line, is going to be a Super Bowl team. And in the West, Rams? Rams, yes. I think the Rams are clearly the best team. Don't think they're going back to the Super Bowl, but they can certainly win that division. So who's contending for the top pick in the draft? What's maybe your your top three? It's not going to be the Texans, according to your column. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I picked the Texans to win six games, but I still think a couple of injuries here and there to Damian Pierce, their rookie running back after him, Rex Burkhead, and that could derail the running game. Davis Mills gets hurt. He's derailed the passing game. Their defense not going to be very good again, I don't think, with a totally rebuilt secondary. It's going to have growing pains. So I'm 
I'm picking uh, Green Bay and Buffalo. I hate to go that what everybody else is doing. As far as the Packers, you know, they've been in the Super Bowl since 2010. So I'm going to have the Packers beating the Bills in the Super Bowl. And the Bears with the number one pick. Bears with number one pick? No, he didn't, think, say, he didn't say that. I'm guessing. No, I think it, the odds are it's not going to be the Jaguars again. Please, it could be no. the Texans, the Jets, the Lions, or the Bears. And right now, if I had to pick somebody, I'd pick the Jets or the Bears with the Texans and the Lions close by. So today up in uh, Chicago, they're discussing a new stadium. And I know they've been doing that for quite some time. Uh, but the Bears announced formally their intentions to move forward with the plan that will take them to the suburbs, out of Soldier Field, and to Arlington Heights, the, the racetrack that the family purchased. They bought all that land out there. You know, Soldier Field is a historical. It's a tradition. It's kind of a dump. Even when they redid it, they should have done a better job. And the Bears are going to move out there. And it's not just going to be a stadium. It's going to be an entertainment. It's going to be commercial real estate. They're going to make a whole lot of money moving about 30 miles from downtown closer to O'Hare Airport. And it's all privately financed. That's the other part of the announcement, which is key. That's, I mean, I don't know if uh, the diehards are going to love that the commute. Oh, the commute or the fact that Soldier Field is no longer. Um, well, but you whenever can't you say it's pro- public fine, uh, private, private finance. Exactly. So, um, and if you're a Bears fan, you're making it's, that commute. It's amazing, John, with Steve Ballmer. And now this, it's showing that it can be done, that billionaires can fund their own buildings and they don't have to take uh, from taxpayer dollars. So maybe this is laying the tracks for more projects that are completely privately financed. Well, considering those franchises are worth billions and billions and they're going to get many more billions over the next five years, of course they can do it. It doesn't hurt to try to see if you can get your money from taxes. You know, that's 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 one of our nation's oldest professions. The American and one. if you can't, then you better, yeah, you better be prepared to do it yourself and you make more money in the end, although it takes so long, like Stan Kroenke, it'll be as, It'll be his beneficiaries that reap all the money that'll come in from his massive complex in Los Angeles. So what they'll need to do in Chicago is they'll need more rail lines and subways going out there to get people from the downtown area. A friend of mine in Chicago said people are not going to go out there. It's just too much trouble as it is. It reminded me, and you guys would know this, when the Braves built Truist Park, they built it out in the suburb and people in Atlanta, oh my God, weeknights, traffic's too bad. But they've they've drawn great because they've also drawn new fans who didn't want to come all the way in. And now they got one of baseball's best franchises. And I think this is going to be a windfall for the Bears to do this. Traditionalists will howl like crazy that they're not in Soldier Field, but eventually they'll tear it down, put some buildings up there, and in about 10 years, people forget about it. Well, John, the Braves went to their fans. They saw that their season ticket base was all north of downtown Atlanta, and they brought the stadium and an entertainment district to the fans, making it better. That's why they're selling out games left and right now. It also helps the defending World Series champions, by the way. But uh, the Bears, I, I don't know the demographics of the city to know where their ticket holders reside. Is it in the city of Chicago? Are they... Suburban, I, I have no clue. With I this think it's stadium a big enough there. city 
that wherever they go, they'll find enough people to fill the. Yeah, building. but you see my point. If you find like you know, if you're here in Nashville and Williamson County's where all your season ticket holders are, that would be the Titans taking a stadium and putting it in Brentwood. That's what the Braves did. Are the Bears doing the same thing? Also, for for eight or nine games a year, I think it's different than for eighty or eighty one. John, let's go rapid fire. As an Ast- go ahead. As an Astros fan, I'd like to point this out to Chadillac. If the Astros get in the World Series, and they they are right now six deep in their pitching rotation because their top rookie made his debut last night, Hunter Brown, didn't give up a run. But it, the team that worries me more, it's not the Dodgers and their incredible season. It's the Braves because they can hit from top to bottom. And the bottom four of the Astros lineups, automatic outs, they get bio pitching. So I'm worried about the Braves again if the Astros get that far. Okay, Jonathan, sorry. Yeah, rapid fire. And by the way, the uh, Arlington Heights is about 30 miles north of downtown from where the stadium currently sits. Um Let's go rapid fire a bit on just some of the top games. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. I'm going with Cincinnati over uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Are you a believer in the Lions at all? And if so, uh, can they beat the Eagles at home in week one? People like to get caught up in teams that are on hard knocks. And the Lions have won one playoff game since the 50s. I'm not picking them to win squat till they show me they can do it. I'm going with the Eagles. Um, who knows? As, as we speak right now, the Patriots could be landing in South Beach because they're coming down on Tuesday uh, to, to <laughs> could be coming for, up Sunday's, the practice field. for Sunday's kickoff. Um, they are already there, and the Dolphins are favored by a field goal. Dolphins have owned the Patriots. They swept them last year, and I think Brian Flores is gone but they know the formula. I think Miami's going to win this game. Chiefs at Cardinals. Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins. And so I'm going because Kyler Murray did not play well at the end of the last season when DeAndre Hopkins was injured. Now he's suspended. I'm going with the Chiefs. Very rarely do I pick against the Chiefs. Two more. And uh, one game has uh, playoff teams for you. Raiders at Chargers. Chargers. I think Chargers are going to win this game. and But it should be exciting because Raiders got a really good passing game, but so do the Chargers. And really good following in Southern Cal, too. That'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. That may be a home game in L.A. for the for the Raiders. Um, uh, John, two more. I lied. There's two more. Uh, let's go Sunday night football. Buccaneers at Cowboys. Cowboys, Dak Prescott has played very, very well against the Bucs. And I think uh, Tom Brady's mind is somewhere besides football right now. I look for the Cowboys to win it, get pressure up the middle, and win an exciting game. And are you taking the the underdog at home, the Rams, as they host the Bills? Or are you taking Buffalo on the road Thursday night? No, I'm taking the, I'm taking the Rams in this game. Wouldn't surprise me Buffalo wins, but I'm not picking against the hometown team coming off the Super Bowl and being loaded on both sides of the ball. I heard someone describe the Bills as all in. The Bills are all in for a Super Bowl. I'm like, no, no, no. The Rams were all in a year ago. There's a difference in how the Rams attacked free agency and how they attacked the trades and how they attacked their salary cap versus what I've seen from Buffalo. Well, the Rams are 
are alone at that. Nobody, I know, nobody approaches with the Rams. From thing. the from the poker analogy, if you go all in, like your chips are yeah. there, like here we go. I feel like the Rams rewrote the the salary cap rules yeah. in what they did. But who's it next seem after like it was them? It's hard, it's hard to find somebody yeah. that's second. John, thank you as always. We look forward to reading your work at gallerysports.com, uh, sportsradio610.com, and we will catch up next week and recap everything that happens in week one. Congrats on all the big news. Guys, thank you very much, Paul, and good luck to the Titans. There is John McLean, McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Um, we will discuss some of the injuries when we come back. It includes uh, – the Giants, who the Titans will match up with. We will also let you know about Zach Wilson, uh, Bakhtiari, the left tackle in Green Bay, and others, Drake London, in week one for Atlanta. We've got those details and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'll kick 360 rolls on some NFL week one injury notes just to keep it keep an eye on keep tabs on as we inch closer to kickoff of some of these games from the preseason uh, James Robinson running back in Jacksonville Doug Peterson said he should be good to go for the season opener uh, that's big news for the Jags on the road against Washington um, originally believed he wouldn't be available until once they got the season rolling David Bakhtiari says he is, quote, on track to play this week against the Vikings for Green Bay. Protecting the left side. That's a big one. For Aaron Rodgers. This dude. They've been waiting. Yeah, I mean, even go back to 2020, he's had knee issues. Like, uh, he's a great player, but he is on the injury report constantly. He missed, what, all but one or two, maybe three games last year? I mean, he finished the season on the injury report questionable. With the knee issue. How old is David Bakhtiari now? He's one of those guys who seems almost ageless, right? I feel like, I feel like he's been around he's, forever, but I he's also he's not 32. that old. Yeah, so it started in 2020 at the end of the season uh, with a knee issue, and then all he's of 30. last year. Wow. All of last year, he was practically on the injury report. God, he seems so much older than 30. I feel like it's a name that's been around much longer than that. Uh, Robert Sala says it's possible Zach Wilson plays against the Ravens. We'll see when he, whenever practice starts rolling tomorrow on what the status is. But if he's playing against the Ravens, it would be on limited practice. That would be the anticipation. It sounds like... He had surgery four weeks ago? Yeah, and this was the earliest. This was right? the earliest he could get back after the week one preseason issue. Drake London... There goes Joe Flacco's big, big chance. to uh, practice uh, yesterday... Suffered a knee injury during the first preseason game and uh, got through practice. So he was able to work with the first-team offense. He's wearing a sleeve on his leg. But the rookie looks like he's, he's a go for this weekend as long as there's no other setback for Atlanta during practice this week. He's going to be an interesting choice for fantasy owners out there because that's not an offense I have a big expectation of being able to get the ball out wide to a receiver this year. 
That seems more like a Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts type offense that Arthur Smith is going to be working with Mar- with Marcus Mariota and not an offense that's going to get a lot of looks for a guy who may be great, you know, in the long run for Atlanta in, in Drake London. One move they're feeling like still could come for the New York Giants, who have a depth chart that lists them as three wide, um, that carry seven receivers currently. One of them is listed as third team, Darius Slayton. Um, I think there's money savings to be had there, and he's been on the outs. Um, there's speculation that he still could be cut. He did not. They had practice today. I don't know what their schedule is, and he was held out uh, healthy. And this is what they did with uh, Blake Martinez, the linebacker that they cut recently, who was also healthy. They held him out, and then they came to a mutual understanding and released him. Um, there's speculation out of New York that could be what's going on with Darius Slayton. A player, by the way, I think the Tennessee Titans would be wise to look at with their receiver issues, unless yeah. they're absolutely convinced that Josh Gordon is their answer. So maybe that would slow them down a little bit if the Titans would have him in. But I don't think the Titans would be playing him this weekend, though they'd be picking his brain, obviously, since they play this weekend. They um, they just signed Marcus Johnson as well to the practice squad in New York. The Giants did. Former. So Galladay uh, maybe isn't ready to play this weekend, but they've got Galladay, Wandale Robinson, and... Kadarius Tony Tony is their should starting play. three. He's Tony, been banged up. Sills, Tony says he's good Richie to go. James, and Sterling Shepard as their second three, and Slayton um, as their one third team guy. Kayvon Thibodeau spoke with the media and and says that he feels good. He's still day to day, and whether or not he will play will be determined by whether or not he can practice. Is an MCL sprain. It was week two of the preseason when this occurred. When that player went low on him, legal, but it was a, a low block, and he may or may not play this week. He'll be questionable on the on the final injury report, and probably makes the flight. And it'll game be a game time. time decision. Hey, for the complaints about depth charts, I, I will say this: and here the Giants are an example. They list themselves as three wide on offense, and they gave us a nickel back uh, and a nickel defense on on defense. That's fantastic. Because that's what they play most of the time. And I'm sure they're too tight at time. And I'm sure they have a base defense that's on the field. But they're showing you what they play predominantly. Yeah. Their, their biggest issue is, and, and us, is figuring out which of their 25 injured players are actually listed as in the correct area on that. Yeah. They have been banged up this preseason. And tomorrow uh, we will get injury reports from teams who are playing Sunday. Apparently had guys who showed up not even in shape according to their coaching staff. No, Brian Dayball said that he didn't feel like the conditioning level was anywhere close to where he wanted it. That was in week two of training camp. Week two, not showing up at training camp. It's week two of training camp. Not good. You know what is good, though, for Thibodeau? Starting opposite the right tackle in Tennessee. That's why he wants to play. Yep. Headlines when we return on Outkick 360.